Welcome to this special edition of the Unchurned CS Insider Report. Unchurned is presented by Update AI. When a customer churns, we've got prescriptive reason codes that have already been predefined, so we're tagging them. This helps to reduce like people custom writing long paragraphs and us trying to decode what they've actually meant. What I've taken some time to do now is I've defined what I've called a success probability score. And hopefully your ICP is pretty dialed in at a point where you aren't bringing in loads of bad fit customers. But just because they do match your ICP doesn't mean that there aren't underlying issues that will prohibit them from being successful within a within a particular amount of time, right? Welcome to Unchurned, a show about the leaders and innovators of companies who have forged incredible customer relationships and stories you can use to advance your own career. Here's your host, Josh Schechter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Unchurned. I'm Josh Schachter, CEO of Update AI, host of Unchurned. And these guys are making me laugh here. Uh, this is our first, I'm incredibly excited. This is our first episode collaborating with CS Insider. So we're going behind the scenes of this week's CS Insider report. It's a bi-monthly report that comes out that gives you all the best in the world of customer success. And I'm here with some very, very, very special, important guests to help us have a roundtable about everything in this week's report. First off, we have Mr. John Johnson. What's up, guys? John Johnson here. <laughs> <laughs> and it, do we know it's bi-monthly or bi-weekly? Like, have we had that discussion yet? Because it's the same. Yeah. Next up, Christy Falteruso. Christy, say hi. Hi, Christy. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. And, and Nikki Powell. Hello, I'm here. You're here. Cool. So um, we, we assemble this group. These folks are leaders in the space, have lots to say about customer success. I'll be moderating for the most part because I have less to say, but I think I could help drive the conversation a little bit. Um, and we're going to uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. The only rule of this program moving forward is for each of our guests, each of our, our co-hosts here to be them their authentic selves. So anything goes. Given that this is the first episode where we're all together here, we're all in some sense meeting each other and maybe some listeners are meeting us as well here. They don't know much of our background. I wanted to, to play around a little bit with a format for an icebreaker. I'm reading this book or I just finished this book. It's called The Microscript Rules. And it's basically about how to create a tagline. But you can also apply that to yourself and describing your own life. And they have this thing, and I think there's even a website and a book that was published where you have to describe your life in six words or less. And when you look at it in the book, like the examples this guy gives, Bill Schley, it's actually quite poetic. It's almost like haiku, the way people have it. I don't expect haiku today, but I want to go around and I would like for us to learn about each other and our listeners to learn about us through six words or less, well, six words about your life. John, you're up. Oh God, I'm first. Um, but this, here's my six words. Uh, elder millennial, theoretical firefighter, coffee first. Do we have to dis do we explain yeah, yeah, yeah. now? We're going to, we're going to piss on each other for these. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So 82, I was born in 82. We are arguably, yep. We are the first millennial generation. It's kind of between 82 and 83. Um, and I feel like that says a lot about us. Like we saw the world before the internet and then the screeching of the internet and then whatever the is going on right now. Like we've just seen it all, right? Um, theoretical firefighter. Um, I, I like solving problems. This has been kind of a tagline for me for a long time. Um, I don't actually put out, I have put out fires camping, um, started fires, not camping. 
Um, but also I just, I like uh, getting in a room together and figuring out uh, a problem that we're trying to solve or um, something of that nature. Um, so this idea of like a theoretical firefighter, I think that's very poetic. And then coffee first. I just, I have a, a deep love for coffee. Like it is my favorite thing. It's, it's, it's the thing that connects most of my relationships and friendships. I make fancy scientific coffee at home and I will, I will blow your mind with, I, I like have awards for pouring cappuccinos and like all kinds of stuff. So I was raised in the coffee scene in Seattle. When you're a musician, you figure out that the best way to make money is at a coffee shop, not as a musician. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's my six months. Do you need coffee to get up in the morning? Or are you just like a zombie before coffee? Uh, so I would say yes, but I'm after going to a therapist for so many years, I have learned, I've actually like been working on doing other things before coffee. So like exercising or, or meditation or something like that, that kind of gets me to the coffee, not because it's like a problem or an addict or anything of, of that nature. But I think that there is, there's like an immediacy. I love coffee and I feel like I get up in the morning and I just like chug a cup. If I've had two cups, I can't have a third. Otherwise, like everything shakes. And I want to enjoy my coffee and I may, I spend a lot of money and a lot of time on my coffee. So like I, I make sure that I have food in my stomach and I make sure that I like have something before I have my coffee. So that when I do, it's, it's, it's almost like, like a methodical nature, if you will. So, so talking about like just early mornings and, and, um, I don't know, Christy, you get up really early. Why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> Should I introduce myself as I get up really early? I don't know. Like, I, don't I, mean, know. I was just I was looking for a segue, but I know you're like one of these like I get up at three a.m. type people. I do. I, I don't get up at three. I, sometimes I get up at three. I my alarm goes off at four o five every day, so I can get up and go to the gym. I'm at my house by four twenty. At the gym by four thirty. Class starts at five. So like very very heavily regimented from like four a.m. Wow. till. 8.30 when I'm like butt in seat at work. So you're at the gym at 4.20, just as John and Mickey are, are engaging in other activities. Um, so <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? We, we don't want to know. We don't want to know. Whatever you're doing is fine. It's none of my business what you're doing at 4 a.m. I just... Oh, it's 4.20. Come on. It's legal. It, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. A.m. A.m. isn't the same as P.M., right? As oh, it is. Oh. Wake and bake. I'm old. <laughs> Christy, six yeah. words. Okay. I did not edit this a hundred times like John, but I think I nailed it and I only did it once. So we're going to see. Stopped caring what others think. Success. <laughs> I love that. That's actually great. Yeah. <laughs> I think that sum summarizes my life because I spent like, I don't know, I want to say like my, my first 30 years of my life probably over caring what people thought about everything, right? How I looked, what I said, what I did, who I dated, right? Like just every aspect of my life, I feel like was like something I consumed myself as other pe people's opinions about things. And over the past 10 years, I've been maniacally focused on not giving a, uh, not caring. You can say it. And you can say it. We're not people. Okay, I was happy with it, uh, what other people think. And I will say that my ability to shift my focus to just doing what I'm doing and focusing on me and the output of what I'm doing and who I am and existing for me has driven so much success personally and professionally for me. Over the past 10 years, I met my husband, I had personal success, career success, right? All the things good that I think of that I have today in my life all came when I stopped caring what other people thought. I love it. I, I, I see that about you. And I mean that in a, in a very complimentary way. Thank you're you. very focused and you're able to be very productive and get so much done for, for that reason, I'm sure. 
also the most like a haiku so far. <laughs> right? Because I gave the sentence and then my final word, and that had an exclamation point when I wrote it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mickey Powell. Mikey. Yeah, I, I can't encapsulate really what I want to say, which is probably what I should be putting in my six words. And again, like you, John, I definitely spent way too much time thinking about this. So I put existential dad, tech, technically correct, sleep Ooh, enthusiast. Technically correct. Oh, I like that. There's a little bit of ego there, but I, I think that's a good thing. Like, I think it's like, you know, that, that's really, I like that. Yeah, it's like how much do we want to unpack it, or not at all? And we just move on. I actually think it's yeah. also you're you're the you're the Chat GPT guy, Mickey. That's I'm I'm forever cl- like labeling you and classifying you like that, and I feel like that's sure. like that's like your ode to to Chat GPT. Technically correct. Yeah, I was most excited by your enthusiasm for sleep. To be oh honest. yeah, like, oh yeah. I'm a big napper, right? So like for me, like, yes, I do get up early. But there is nothing I love more than like a two-hour nap at some point. I don't know how to nap for less than two hours. Like, like if I'm going down, it's like I'm down. Yeah, I took a nap Sunday afternoon. Um, and my favorite thing about naps is not knowing where you are when you wake. Like when you wake up, you're like, uh, "Is it? Do I need to go to work? Do I have children? Like what?" is going on. Has anybody ever fallen asleep on, on a call with a customer? Be honest. Yes. No. Like definitely a long blink. I will say like long blinks are, are definitely a thing. And that happens in the afternoon for me. Like after 3 p.m. it's tough. Like again, I've been up for almost a full day at that point, right? So it's like a blink that you forget to open your eyes back up. And then you're like, oh, okay, someone can see me because I'm on a Zoom. So. Okay, Christy, what do you define a blink? And when do you transition into nap? Is there like a is there an over under on? I'm so tired that I feel like every time I blink, it might be a micro sleep. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't get up at four thirty in the morning. No, I I'm need. Just... I need to. Four oh five. Four oh five. Four oh five. Christy, I so I actually like got in the habit of power napping to the point where like I would set my alarm for like twenty minutes, and I I basically trained my body that as soon as you start to kind of feel that drifting off, I'll snap back out of it, Ooh. and then I feel refreshed. And there's science to back that up. I know, I know. I I feel like there's been a lot of TikTok videos lately or Instagram reels that have I don't do any of that. Like your brain, <laughs> like your brain recognizes sleep after a certain amount of time, and then like you kind of fall into this thing. It's why you shouldn't hit the snooze button. There's like a lot of logic behind that. Like don't snooze, just get up. I don't talk. I don't take or talk. You don't take, you don't or, take talk. or talk. I don't either. <laughs> I, I watch Instagram reels, which I was told by my daughter is where old people go to watch TikTok. Yeah, it's what happened on TikTok a month ago. Right? Yeah. yeah. So she's always like criticizing me for being very, very behind. Oh, so I go on Reddit. So then am I two months behind? Oh, oh you're so like slow. not even relevant. I don't even know what's happening on Reddit. I think yeah. Ronald Reagan is still president on, on Reddit. <laughs> All right. I'm going now. Ready? Yeah. Larry David meets Shaq in progress. Those are my sick word, six Ooh. words. Uh, sick words too. Yeah. So Larry David. Okay. So I want to know... What attributes of Larry David and what attributes that? I was going to say, have you just met him? Like, listen, I, I haven't known Josh's whole life, but he definitely throws Larry vibes. He does. Yeah. But where does Shaq... I want to know the crossover between... Oh, Shaq is because of his big shoes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Jesus. Interesting. Uh, no, Shaq... My last name is Shaqter. I, I grew up idolizing Shaquille O'Neal. Also, I, I feel like Shaq is... Um, he's a very jovial person. You know, like he... Um, which is not me, but um, it's something to aspire towards, I suppose. And um, have you ever seen Jack eat a bagel? No. Does it look like a bagel bite? Like it's if like a, bagel a normal bite. size bagel, does it look yeah. like a bagel bite? Yeah, it's like a bagel bite, it's like a beer can, and it's like a like an eight ounce. It's it's amazing. 
It's adorable. And in progress, because I think this is what you were saying, Christy. It's all, we're all in progress, right? The Growth Mindset was a book that really inspired me. So there. Yo, the Wick. She's legit. Oh, it's great. I, I bought copies of that for people. I mean, it was, it was incredible. How do you give that to them without seeming rude? <laughs> this. <laughs> it's like, I really think that you would benefit from this growth yeah. mindset book. No, yeah. I did. I, you I, messed up in I, a lot of ways. I, I bought it for my boss at my last job. Even worse. <laughs> well, that's the, but that's the Larry David part. <laughs> it all comes full circle. Okay. Should we talk about customer success or should we just banter? And, Why? You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Mark, Mark yeah. Yeah. Up. we're 10 minutes in. So if you want to skip all the banter, just, just start out right now. In the, in the show I yeah. think people customer would watch the banter and stop for the customer success. I was going to say, customer success is played out. Do we need to talk about it? Well, thank you all for Joe Rogan vibes and I'm here for that. So four hours from now, we'll finally get to the topic. <laughs> He's nailed it. Are you kidding me? Who doesn't listen for all four hours to get to the one sentence punchline at the end? Can I make a statement that might exclude me from future podcasts? Interesting. Yeah. I've never listened to an episode of Joe Rogan. Me neither. Me neither. Okay. <gasps> do you guys want to hear an interesting fact? Yeah. I've heard almost every Joe Rogan podcast, but I have never played it on my Got own it. device or have opted into listening to it. It's a forced Experience. My husband just walks around the house playing on his on his phone, and so it's like just on all the time, all the time. You're getting secondhand Rogan. That's secondhand. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I'm sure Contact I'm not the only woman out there. <laughs> okay, Nick, Nick, Nick Meta. Everybody, how could we start? How would we start talking about CS in our first episode without? I've heard of this yeah, guy. How could we not talk what? about Nick, right? But he did write a post, and it is included in your on LinkedIn, and it is included in the upcoming episode, or excuse me, report for CS Insider this week. By the way, we're filming this. Today is the first day of spring, so happy spring, everybody. Uh, it's also my, my dad's birthday and my parents' anniversary, but I digress. Um, yes, so uh, Nick talks about making intro to everybody's, you know, everybody, I mean, unfortunately, it's true, is looking for jobs right now. It's just the world we live in. I think I got a notification this morning that Amazon is laying off 9,000 more, right? So it's like 27,000. Yeah, crazy. Yep. So, so Nick gives some advice, and we're by the way, everybody, we're going to put the links to all these articles that we discuss from the report in the show notes, so you can check it out there. And of course, if you're subscribed to CS Insider, you'll get the report there. You'll get all these links. And Nick talks about his tips for candidates of ways for their ways for them to really kind of network and get the insider look into these roles. Um, and so, I want to talk about that with you guys. What, what, Christy? I want to I want to start with you. Um, what are some ways you must receive, you know, you've, you've been a manager now for years. Um, what are some of the ways that you've, that have been most successful in, in getting a candidacy in front of you? Honestly, it's the network. Uh, I would say that's, that's the fastest way for, for me, if I was looking and then also for the candidates that actually I end up hiring almost always are referrals. Um, I would say of everybody I've hired in my professional career, I would say more than 50% of them have been referrals through my network and somebody saying like, this is somebody you have to hire. And it's just like that. Is there, is there any like tactic that has stood out to you that somebody has, you know, because of a thank you letter or a cover letter or this or that, or is it just really, it's the strength of the referral and, and, you know, the factors of like, who's giving the referral, how strong it is, et cetera. Well, all those things obviously play a big part of it, right? Like any. I won't just take a referral from anybody, right? Like it has to be a trusted, reliable source. Um, one that I feel comfortable that would be referring somebody appropriate for the role. Um, but listen, I think today there's so many ways for any candidate to stand out. And I feel like it's a missed opportunity for folks that aren't taking advantage of it. I don't know about you guys, but like, I very rarely get a thank you or follow up from interviewing anymore. And I feel like just like 
wow, when did we stop doing that? I don't know if that's a generational thing, but like when I first started interviewing like early in my career, I would write a thank you note on a card and mail it to somebody. Now I get that nobody does it anymore, so that's fine. But email works, right? Guess what? I bet you if you even just took that one little step to send a follow-up and a thank you, here's what I learned, here's what I heard, here's why I think I'd be a perfect fit you would be doing something that most other candidates aren't doing today. Yeah, yeah. Like that is, that's how easy it is to stand out. And I won't even go into all the fancy tech things you could do, like with chat GPT. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this too. I, there's a couple of guys that I'm mentoring right now that are on the job market. And, you know, they're like, do I send a follow-up? And it's like, yes, always send a follow-up. I think that there is, if you follow TikTok, and if you follow any of the trends in the space right now, like there is this kind of like back and forth of like, people are kind of tired of, employers taking advantage of the employees. So they're like, if, if they have been on the market for a long time and they've sent a hundred resumes in and they've got no responses and maybe they get that one interview, it's it's really hard to say like, why should I go above and beyond when these companies treat me like a number and they treat, they don't even tell me that I'm not even excluded, right? Like it's that back and forth. And I, and I do think it's a double-edged, double-edged sword. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that desperately need jobs and maybe they're doing the spray and pray, they're applying to a hundred jobs and they're maybe not being as tactical or strategic as, as you and I may be because they don't have this, the ability to in the space. But I do think that there is something about how do you make uh, uh, like a, a human emotional connection when everything is digital? And, and you kind of hit the net nail on the head. Chrissy, this is one of the things that I wanted to ask is, um, yeah, the email is great. I actually had a, a, one, of, one of the guys just got a, that I was mentoring. He just got an offer. He's like, hey... Uh, do I send a follow-up? And I was like, well, yeah, absolutely. And he goes, in what in what avenue, right? And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, I added him on LinkedIn, um, you know, and like I, all this kind of stuff, right? And it's like where he's like got four channels that he could reach out. He's in a Slack group with him, this guy that he interviewed with. And it's like, that's actually a really good question. And I didn't have like a direct answer. I was like, whatever you feel is the strongest way to kind of make that connection. How do you feel about this? We live in a world that is like multifaceted with communication. Um, you know, I mean, how do you, do you rely on email? Do you accept those thank yous on LinkedIn? Or, you know, if somebody comments on your LinkedIn, are you like, oh, this is really thoughtful? Or, you know, if the, the advice that I gave is like, if, if you just connected with this person and you post something that is in reference to what you talked about, it's more likely to get in front of that person because of the algorithm, right? It's a new connection and mm-hmm. stuff. Like, at what level do we carry this? Because look, I can send an email out and say, thanks so much. This is great. And then move on to the next one. But like, that's, that's like bare bones, right? Yeah. I would say like, listen, you got to know your audience. Um, I'm, I call, call, call me like ancient and archaic, but like, I love email still. Um, I may be the last person out there making that claim. I know it's bold. I love email. Like me and Dave Blake, my CEO of our client success, he likes Slack. I like email. I'll email him something. He copies it into Slack and replies there. Like, I mean, it's horrible for us to try to communicate. Know your audience. Um, not everyone is active on LinkedIn. So even though you just connected with somebody there, and they accepted your request, if they're not active on it, they might miss your message, right? But if you have found that in your correspondence to get to where you are now, they've been responsive over email, and that's been your avenue of dialogue, stick there, right? So I think just give it some thought. I don't think there's one way to do anything. I also like a little creativity. Um, as much yeah. as I do love email, I've gotten some interesting Loom videos and follow-ups, and I like I love a personalized video or even the audio, like yep. even like on LinkedIn, you can do an auto recording if you're doing it from your mobile device. That's super cool and personalized. So I just think technology gives us so many different ways to communicate what we want to to various people. Just give thought into who you're doing it with. I like to send bunt cakes 
I would love to be a recipient yeah. of a bunt cake. Bunt cake as a service. Interesting. The cast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here's $10 million. Go for it. Hey, I'm telling you, nothing bunt cakes is legitimately my favorite. Like if I can get that in front of people, like it works 70% of the time. You're saying people really love butter and sugar and flour? Yeah. yeah. I, it didn't there, wasn't there just like a Utah company that just opened up or somewhere that is doing bunt cakes, like fancy bunt cakes? I think you should Google it. I'm pretty sure like after crumble. It's nothing bunt cakes. Nothing, yeah. Yes. It's a West Coast thing. I've been using them for like a decade. I'm over here in New York. I don't, I don't know about these bun cake things, but um, I, I would like I'd like to participate. All right, I'll send you one, Christy. I'd be excited to receive it. Um, can I say one thing that stood, Mikey? Do you have an opinion? I I want to point something out. In his Mickey. name's Mickey, but that's cool, John. Oh, it's Mickey, Mikey, off oh, Mickey, like like the mouse or the mantle. Hey, Mickey. You know, any anything goes on this podcast except for mispronouncing your co-host name. Yeah. The, don't assume LinkedIn connections are real. Um, he says, point. Uh, people will often ping me and say, I see you're connected with oh, yeah. X. In reality, you know, a huge percentage of these. I, I actually, this is the thing that I think is incredibly valuable. Um, we do this a lot when it's like, I meet a customer. It's like, oh, we're connected to these 15 people. And you really only know one of them, right? And it's like, kind of like digging through the bullshit of like, how do you know these people? And and what that um, like that org structure really is. I think uh, you know I've, I've some friends like this is just a weird marker and everybody's looking for work. So like, oh, you know this person at that job? And I'm like, I randomly followed them three years ago and I've never interacted with them. I can't make an introduction. I would love to, you know. But um, I think there's a lot of intelligence in leading with, hey, uh, how do you know these people? Do you have a deep relationship? And like, kind of getting to the heart of that. And then even like, there's something that's actually like symbiotic there too, right? Where like there's value for me if I nurture a relationship with this person and maybe find value that I has been in my network for years that I haven't really interacted with, right? And it's like, how do you have that kind of two-sided relationship? Oh, totally. I mean, so I there's a there's a guy at Zoom um who was recently part of the layoffs and, and I and I think really highly of him. And um I introduced him to about 10 of my 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 friends and whatnot in the product management world because that's where I came from. And um this was a way for me to like, I got responses and like, I was able to reconnect with people that I hadn't spoken to in years. So like, there was a huge value. I think even one of them was like, ended up in something for update AI that like we move forward with. Right. So like, there's huge value to that. The other thing I'll say is like, sometimes if I actually really want to help somebody for the people that you don't want to help, it's like, I don't really know that person. Fine. But if you really want to help the person, I think you can still send the email yeah. Even if you don't know that person, you're like, hey, we're connected on LinkedIn. I don't actually know you, but I think really highly of this person and I would like to make an intro. And I think that there yeah. is that social proofing in play, mm-hmm. even if they don't, even if you don't really know that contact. Yeah, I love that. And I'll, I'll say this, the last four or five jobs that I've gotten have all come from networking. Yeah. And a lot of them have come from networking I did when I wasn't looking. So I know yes. this doesn't help the, the people that are looking right now, but after you find that next job and I... That it's soon. Don't stop. Like keep networking. And I kind of always just kept it in the back of my head of like I'm going to be active in the various communities. I'm going to connect with people. I'm going to try to help them. I actually do a lot of like I try to help people because I know at some point in the future it's going to come back to me either via karma or directly, or they'll be more willing to help me if I do. So and people have helped me in the past. Is the drag of taking notes after back-to-back customer meetings slowing you down? Or even worse, did you miss something your customer asked for three meetings ago? Update AI, the latest investment from Zoom Ventures, is here to help. 
Featuring the world's most advanced artificial intelligence to detect action items, Update AI joins your Zoom meetings and in real time delivers your follow-ups and next steps from customer calls. Save hours of busy work, stay more present in your conversations, and make sure your team is always on track. Sign up for your trial of Update AI today at www.update.ai. Before we move on, um, I, I actually, I, I kind of messed up the beginning of our intros here. Uh, we didn't actually introduce like where we work. So can we just like very, <laughs> like in half a sentence, it doesn't have to be a whole spiel, right? Like, so I'm, I'm Josh, you know, founder, CEO of Update AI. John, who are you? I am John, principal customer success manager at user testing. Christy. Christy Faltruso, chief customer officer at client success. Mickey. And I'm Mickey. I'm the co-founder of Update AI. Josh's right-hand man. <laughs> Head of go-to-market, yes. Uh, <laughs> sounds more official. All right, let's move on. Uh, you told me to say co-founder. I, I know, but, you know, but but it's it, co-founder and head of market. Anyways, uh, so uh, Saster, let's 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 talk about that. Now I'm all like, like, you know, uh, for Klempt. Uh, oh, Jason Lemkin. He's frazzled everybody. Well, I, I'm from Long Island. I don't need a translator. I know exactly what he's meant. So. <laughs> Coffee talk. That's right. I'll give you a topic. Rhode Island, neither Rhode nor an island. Discuss. <laughs> I hope, yeah, I hope everybody gets the reference. And if you don't, you need to look up Coffee Talk SNL. Oh, from the nineties. <laughs> no, just just Google the yeah. word for Klempt. <laughs> for Klempt. Good luck. For Klempt. No, no, no. Yeah. Do an image search. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, there you no. go, Christy. No, <laughs> I, I feel like I like. What, what do you guys think would come up with an image search? I think it would be like some like like phlegm from the back of like an old person's throat or something. I don't, I don't know. know. Nope, you're gonna get something way worse. You you're gonna so? get something way worse, Scott. Oh, Mickey I had a knows. Well, because yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> use your work computer, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so Jason Lemkin, this guy, go bring it up. Go, John. John, roll with it. Okay. His headline, uh, the question that he is trying to answer in his post, um, again, linked in all of the places. Uh, so what can you really do to get churned down and retention up? Here's my basic list. Uh, some of them may be obvious, uh, but here's the thing. Most startups he works with don't even do half of the items on this list. Uh, so before we jump into the list, because everybody has a list, I would love your opinions on... Because we're in customer success, we have to talk about churn and the name of the podcast is Unchurned. What do you do with bad fit customers and how do you handle un, uh, the churn that you, you basically know is coming, but you still need the money? <laughs> right? We're in like a dirty business. Yeah. So I'm going to take a, a little bit of like a contrarian view here. No. Um, and Christy, actually, this is like part of learnings that I got from Micah um, at Bright Edge. Or from, you know, you worked with him at Bright Edge. So... Like, guys, like, at the basics of it, like, you acquire a customer, you pay all that money to acquire that customer, mm -hmm. and you need them to pay that back, hopefully, in a reasonable amount of time. Yep. To put that on the list is completely disregarding the fact that your peers in sales and marketing have an entirely different set of incentives. And to just be like, ah, oh, it's just bad fit customers, and they suck at selling. I'm like, you guys are, you are obviously not working with your counterparts to redefine what good and bad fit is, redefining your operating model against those people. And so I, and by the way, I come to terms with this because I struggled with this when I was the only customer success manager at Five Stars dealing with retention and we were selling small businesses in the US. So like 
you know, they're paying us 200 bucks a month. It wasn't like, you know, huge contracts, but the volume was massive. Once I kind of got rid of that whole stigma of like, this is a bad fit customer and I'm pissed at sales for selling a bad fit customer. And I started participating in the process of helping them identify and sell and operate around those customers. It made not only the relationship better, just like with my peers, but it also led to better outcomes for us as a company. Yeah. You went where I wanted you to go. And I, and this is, I've, I've been kind of nurturing this opinion here where, uh, a lot like Marcus talks about this all the time is like, you have a bad fit customer, burn it. Like it's got to be over. Like there's a lot of opinions about like bad fit customers. And I think that just means that, you know, if, if CS is kind of like the, the center of this customer facing or customer led organization, we're not telling our counterparts, whether it's product or sales or marketing, what's falling through the cracks, right? If it's kicking it over to our line or our side of the fence and we're just like, why well, can't they don't, they don't fit the persona, right? Like we're not doing a deep dive into data of understanding how people are using our platform. We're just labeling them as bad fit and moving on. And I think that we give up a lot of growth, not maybe just revenue, but also like the humanity of a person solving a person's problem with the software. Like if, if they're doing something unique and creative that's solving their problems and it fit, doesn't fit your ICP, why is that a bad fit customer, right? How, how do we get to the point where we are feedback loops? Where everything that we do, when we lose a customer, because a product, product knows and it's they do a justification on is this, you know, do we want to keep losing X amount of revenue over the time or are we going to build something, right? I mean, it, it comes back to that cyclical conversation that we need to have, not just with sales, but like you said, marketing. How are you attracting? What do your demos look like? What do your uh, visuals look like? What do you solve? What problems are you saying you're solving in your headlines and whatnot? Christy has no opinions on this? That is false. I was just waiting for a good opportunity jump in with my with my two cents. Um, so I obviously, I wholeheartedly agree with both of you. So we've taken a few different steps here at Client Success, and I want to share it because I think that they've been helpful. So one, we do a churn reason analysis every end of month. Um, we have the ability in our platform to track reason codes. So when a customer churns, we've got prescriptive reason codes that have already been predefined. So we're tagging them. This helps to reduce like people custom writing long paragraphs and us trying to decode what they've actually meant, right? Like we're tagging them. Then you have like your narrative that's helpful. Um, but so that thematically is helping us understand where are those holes and what's happening with those customers. But upstream, what I've taken some time to do now is I've defined what I've called a success probability score. Now your customer, your, your sales team, right? They're working with marketing and hopefully your customer success team and all go to market and have defined an ICP. Right. And hopefully your ICP is pretty dialed in at a point where you aren't bringing in loads of bad fit customers. But just because they do match your ICP doesn't mean that there aren't underlying issues that will prohibit them from being successful within a within a particular amount of time. Right. So what I will tell you is like our ICP usually can always be successful, but over what amount of time and with what amount of resources so we designed the success yeah. probability score that helps me stack rank now based on 12 different points of criteria, how successful this customer can be based on these things that are unique and specific to them and have nothing to do with their business, but really understanding who they are, right? Like resources, their, their tech stack, where their data lives, first time leadership, where does CS roll into? Do they have a strategy? Have they deployed CS technology before, right? So we've got all of these factors and come up with a score that allows us to rank these customers, which helps us understand resourcing and time to value, which will look different depending on the different cohorts. That has helped us navigate some of that bad fit and really reduce that, helping transform customers who would be on the fence, 
right? Getting them to value. Visit clientsuccess.com yeah. for more. <laughs> no, but I love it. I do love it. Oh. That was a formula that I created and I do it in Excel and I have the sales team fill it out. But okay. what was cool about it, it was a forcing function for sales to understand yeah. why even a good ICP customer can still go bad. And I think those underlying factors are really important. We spend a lot of time on change management. And I th- that added a layer that I think I'm going to take to heart here too is like, um, they may be not be a quote unquote bad fit customer, but if they don't, like Amazon is going to like massive amounts of layoffs, right? I mean, this is like 28,000 employees and one of our biggest customers, right? So like looking at like these people, what roles are being reduced and are these decision makers? And if we are going in, if we're not looking at that and, and going into renewal season and saying, guys, I have to flag massive amounts of risk because we do not have the ability to impact success in the way that we did last year because we just lost 30% of our headcount that use our tool that are decision makers. That's outside of our control. It's outside of their control. You know, there's just these these factors, these layers that you have to add in of saying, like, you have to think through these things. I, I, I love that perspective, Christy. Yeah, I'm going to add one last thing um, to kind of try to tie it all together. Bad fit customers is reductive, right? It's just like a binary. So Christy's approach of creating these like probabilities of success is really important because it will change over time. As you go to new markets, as you go up market, down market, new verticals, as you expand your product offering, all you know, all of those things will impact whether or not somebody is the right fit for your business. So having an actual probability, having a score, having different factors is going to be really critical to understand like the investment we're making, you know, trying to go up market is worth it or not. And that's why that's why I get so frustrated with like just like the, the bad fit customer monitor. Well, because it's not just right fit, it's also right time, right? How many yeah. times do we have customers that are just not at a maturity model that could implement a process that you have, Christy, like for your tool? I've seen so many demos of your tool and uh, other tools like it where like if you don't have clean data, if you don't have clean data, it doesn't matter how great your tool is, specifically with client success and some of the competitors, you're going to be delayed in finding value regardless of, of how great your customer success team is. And no amount of demos and no amount of support and no amount of whatever disaster guy says is going to change the fact that that's a true yeah. risk, right? And if you're not capturing that data based on what is the requirement, what is the opportunity to succeed? If you don't have that, that ranking, then you're going to lose. Um, I will say the last thing he said, number 10 is add a great free trial. And I disagree completely that that is an opportunity. That is a way to reduce churn. I think... Did he say um, that? That is, yeah, number 10, at a great free trial. If you're, I'm saying this sarcastic, I love Jason. And if you're listening, please call me back. Um, <laughs> if your free trial experience is truly awesome, customers that might churn will select out during the free trial. That's not all bad. I will say the challenge of that is that that's a pipeline that somebody's managing outside of customer success. Yeah. And it's going to give you false negatives from the sales perspective because you're going to have a massive amount of people that are removing themselves from a pipeline that can't be Yeah, noticed. listen, also, if you're not a PLG product, free trials don't don't really, like, yeah. they don't work, right? Like, you can't do a free trial of my product, yeah. right? Because it doesn't work no. that way. This isn't Calendly. So I think you need to, I think that works sometimes. What do you, what do you guys think about um, five through through eight? So five is do phone support, just do it. Six is answer all tickets and chats in less than five minutes. Seven is visit as many customers via Zoom and in person. 
Eight is do a weekly webinar for all prospects and customers every week. So all of those are about high touch activities, right? About like just yeah, he's yeah, he's mix he's mixing yeah. And I yeah. you know now we're gonna we're gonna be like the jerks of like ripping apart his list. We were hoping that he would that he would repost this and share our podcast, but I guess we can throw that out the window. Yeah. So we might as well now just yeah. go go all at it. Blocked. No, but I've already been blocked. I'll I'll say this. I think what he like. For the people that are listening, there's different business models. There's different go-to-market strategies. Like some of the things he posted do apply. Like here at Update AI, like we're trying to do a combination of PLG and direct sales, but client success can't do that because they are selling to VPs and CCOs and they have to do a direct sales motion. And they have to do an implementation. You can't do PLG with like syncing to a data warehouse. Like, no, that's not a thing. So, okay. So phone support, no, you don't have to do that. <laughs> no, you. Yeah, you. You don't have to if you can, if you could afford it, if your customers are paying you a shit ton. Like of this money. list isn't like applicable to everyone, right? This like no. you have to have resourcing and staffing and like all kind. You have the money for a lot of this stuff. I don't know about you guys, but money, money is expensive these days. I don't know. We have a lot of it. I can't phone support. Yeah. I. <sighs> I don't know. Well, my, customers, like my customers aren't even in offices anymore. Like, let's just talk about that for a minute. I'd have to literally go to everyone's home to go have an effective meeting. It's just, these things don't scale. Yeah. Okay. I will say though, number eight, do a weekly webinar for all prospects and customers. I do this. I run this with all of our key accounts. It is an incredible way to get training, but here's the key. And I think this is where it kind of falls down. And I want to, I want to go a little bit deeper in some of this stuff is we use it as funnels where uh, we have like at the, the first 10 minutes is like, this is how you buy us, right? So for all the prospects, like go email this person and we'll get pricing. And it's all about funnels where um, there's a follow-up. And it's not just, it's that we have managed at scale follow-ups and we have bespoke one-to-one, you know, like uh, uh, follow-ups where we do the trainings, we give the demos. And then the people that like need more, we get on like a one-on-one call with very specific customer questions, right? And there's all about the follow-up. And I love these ideas of like, how do we solve as many problems as we can, not in the first call, but how do we kind of get them into the segments that we have the tools to solve? And that's where the tools become agnostic. If you have phone support, great, you're going to send some of them that way. If you have chat support, you're going to send some of them that way. But if you don't have this way for our customers to self-select how they get help and where they find answers, and then you're not measuring and tracking uh, the responses and how that's like adding to success then none, nothing on this list matters and you're just going to keep losing. So that's my way also of, of wrapping up this first inaugural episode of our, of our, we got two up. topics. We got to two out of that's nine, fine. but but do people really want to listen to us for three hours? I mean, I don't know. I don't know, Christy, how your husband does it for Joe Rogan, how like these, these like two, three hour podcasts. I don't know. We're going to keep it pithy. I love it. Pithy. 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 Um, guys, this was awesome. This is exactly what we wanted. Just completely raw, authentic, unchurned. Uh, we will be back in two weeks in collaboration with the next episode or the next CS Insider Report. And thank you, everybody, for listening in. Give us feedback. Let us know, you know what you think about this new, uh, this new format. Thanks. I love Thanks, it. Thanks guys. See you, everybody. Hey, guys. It's Josh. Don't hang up. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what? Even if you didn't, I'd love for you to give us a rating in iTunes or Spotify. And after you do, email me at josh at update.ai with the name of your favorite charity. And my company, Update AI, will make a donation on your behalf. I'd love to connect with each of our listeners. Send me a LinkedIn request and I'll accept it immediately. Just go to www.update.ai slash LinkedIn 
and it'll redirect to my profile. Thanks.